We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition here of Lines and Lineups, a collaborative effort between Vegas Insider and Rotogrinders.com. Our good friend Holden Kushner is out today with the flu. Holden, certainly get better. Hopefully, hopefully uh, we'll have you back in the host seat next week. Uh, I am Dan Bach, and I have, uh, am of Rotogrinders. Joining me is Kevin Rogers of VegasInsider.com. Just the two-man show today, K-Rod. ready to go. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, pick up the load uh, up there by Holden, but I think we can uh, take care of this today, Dan. Yeah, no doubt about it. VegasInsider.com, if you haven't uh, checked them out. Uh, obviously, you know, more states are, are coming online, you know, for legalized and regulated sports betting. Obviously, a lot of people still find ways to do it. Uh, quick overview of exactly everything you guys do over there at Vegas Insider for maybe people watching for the first time. Yeah, we want to welcome anybody that wants to check out VegasInsider.com. And basically, the way we always phrase it, Dan, is it's almost like an ESPN.com for sports betting, that we have all the different arenas for NFL, NBA, college football, Major League Baseball, even the likes of MMA, auto racing, golf, things like that. But uh, what we have is we have the latest live odds that you could check out for free on VegasInsider.com. Our articles are free as well. You don't have to sign up for anything. You just join or you just go on and you you read them. The only things you would have to pay for would be if you were to purchase handicapper picks, and we have those for NBA, college basketball, NFL, college football, NHL, Major League Baseball. So you can check those out on the Buy Picks page under every single sport on VegasInsider.com. So basically, past football, we cover everything from a sports betting perspective, and you can uh, check us out 24-7, 365. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, they've been a a great resource for 
sports betting and, and picks in particular for a long time. So uh, definitely check them out if you are into that. Uh, DFS-wise, obviously, rotogrinders.com, largest community of daily fantasy players anywhere, uh, tools that are second to none, and also some new promos as well. If you have not signed up um, or are not currently a premium subscriber, um, if you are in a state that allows you to play on a site called Monkey Knife Fight and Super Draft, they're two of the more new daily fantasy sites, you can actually go to rotogrinders.com and sign up through our links. You'll see something right on the front page if you're eligible. And basically all you have to do is go to that site, make a deposit, and then you will get access to our premium content for free for three months. So that's like a $120 value or so and something that um, is a great way for uh, people who you know might not typically be a DFS subscriber or not sure that they want to subscribe to be able to get access to our premium content, our tools, which, which obviously make playing daily fantasy so much easier. And, and I'll tell you right now, boys and girls, I'm not like plugged in on NBA but our projections are so good right now. I am just using our premium app. I'm optimizing on FanDuel. I'm entering games, and I'm winning money, like legitimately, super easy. Just the, the, the minds that we have behind the scenes are doing the heavy lifting for you. So check it out if you haven't done so already over at rotogrinders.com. All right, we're going to talk uh, this week 12 in the NFL. We'll talk some sports betting. I'll get into some DFS angles. And uh, we've got five games on the docket for us uh, to kind of preview the week. We'll start with Carolina and New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans back at home, nine and a half point favorite here against Carolina. The total sitting at 47. And K-Raj, you know, this New Orleans team uh, last week, you know, kind of showed back up after that really disappointing game at home against uh, the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, not going to lie, this number came in a little bit bigger than I would have expected. I would have probably pegged it at maybe about seven just off the top of my head. So nine and a half, pretty heavy number here for New Orleans. Your thoughts? Yeah, a lot to digest here, Dan. I mean, first with the Saints, uh, an impressive win going on the road and beating the Buccaneers. And we know how much Jameis Winston has struggled this year, but a road win still a road win. And I don't want to take away from the Saints there after they had that poor performance, like you mentioned, against the Falcons the week before coming off the bye. When I look at the Carolina Panthers, a team that's just been so up and down this year that they had Ky- uh, Cam Newton the first two weeks. He was hurt. They were 0-2, and then Kyle Allen kind of gave them a spark at quarterback. They picked up some nice wins. Unfortunately, though, they, uh, I guess, kind of showed their hand in, in losses to the likes of Green Bay, San Francisco, uh, two of the top teams in the NFC, and obviously we could throw New Orleans in that group with those types of teams and just a bad performance against uh, the Atlanta Falcons, who now it feels like it's going to be too little too late for them. They'll go on a run here, but they won't be in the playoffs. As far as the spread goes, I just want to make this one note, and and you talked about where this line opened, Dan, that the Panthers received four and a half points at San Francisco in that 38-point loss. They received five at Green Bay. Now you're getting nearly 10 at New Orleans, and everyone – is down on the Panthers because of what they just saw with the Atlanta game. So it feels like that opportunity to maybe go with Carolina and also people would be high on the Saints because, okay, now they're back. The Saints are fine that they beat a Buccaneer team that uh, has struggled, uh, to say the least, since that 2-1 and one start, that they have not been good since then. And I don't think they've won a game since then, since beating the Rams, or, or uh, rather 2-2 two and two starts since they beat the Rams, dropping the 55 out in L.A. So 
you know, it's really hard to put a lot of credence into New Orleans win last week. They did win on the road in the division, but also Tampa Bay has its struggles at the quarterback position. I do think Carolina, though, Dan, can be worth a look here, just getting some line value with the Panthers. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of value in that number for sure. But, man, Carolina at home against Atlanta, and and we'll talk about Atlanta there. Uh, we've got that game on our list today. I mean, I don't think anybody expected them to kind of get steamrolled at home to the Falcons, and that's exactly what happened to Carolina last week. And I think that that is – Probably a big reason why we're seeing that. And, you know, from a DFS side of things here, you know, you've got Breeze, you've got Thomas back at home. Those two guys are going to be a money stack. I mean, they have been week in and week out. I mean, last week, a little bit of unfortunate circumstances. They got off to a big lead and really didn't have to use Drew Breeze in that second half. So his fantasy numbers were probably not as good as they could have been. And that's the one risk that you run into when you roster players who are, are heavy favorites is you might not have a fourth quarter game, especially with those pass catchers. The guy, though, I think is super interesting this week is Alvin Kamara. I mean, if I told you he hasn't scored a touchdown since week three, you probably would not have believed me. Well, that's where we're at right now. I mean, there's a ton of TD variants that's really due to swing his way here. And uh, his production, the time on the field, has been up the last couple of weeks since coming off the injury. So he's really set for a, a get-right week, and, and this one would not shock me one bit. And then, of course, on the other end, you've got Christian McCaffrey, who is the fantasy stud every week, seemingly gets 30 fantasy points. And it's funny because last week, you know, th- that was a situation where uh, he, he kind of proved where he's matchup proof. You know, if Carolina wins, you know, it's probably because McCaffrey goes off because he's the best player they have. But if they're losing big, Basically, that means they just got to dump it off to him, and he ended up having almost 100 yards receiving and, and uh, like 12 receptions, which is huge on a site like DraftKings. So pretty much matchup proof. But this is, I believe, one of the better defenses Carolina is going to face. I mean, he did well against New, uh, the San Francisco 49ers a, a few weeks ago. And, again, pretty matchup proof. But I am really buying New Orleans that 10-5 that is – a huge salary. So um, obviously you could stack this game up if you think it's close. Vegas doesn't think it's particularly close. Uh, what about the line or the total here? 47 is the number that we're seeing, K-Rob. Any value in that number? I'd probably look at the under lean. I mean, I don't love it, but as far as just for our purposes here, that with Carolina's offense kind of taking a step back the last few weeks with Kyle Allen and New Orleans defense, we saw what they did. Again, against Jameis Winston, they had the pick six uh, in that game. Also, they had an interception at the end of the first quarter to set up their first touchdown, in, in which New Orleans was not getting the was not punching it in early on against Tampa Bay on Sunday. Yeah. They were held to two field goals. They had a touchdown wiped off due to a holding penalty. So Tampa Bay defensively wasn't that terrible for most of that first quarter, but then Jameis set them up, uh, set the defense up for a bad position where Breeze had a short field and threw a touchdown pass to Michael Thomas, and that kind of put the game, uh, it seemed like the game was done with from there. But as far as New Orleans goes, just defensively, they're still very good and facing a guy like Kyle Allen. So, you know, if you were to take Carolina here and maybe even hope that there's an under, you know, if, if this ends up being a 20 to 13 game, something like that, because really the Saints offensively in that game, like I mentioned, Dan, they had the pick six and they had a short track for two of their touchdowns. So really the offense wasn't tremendous. Breeze still did a very good job, but you know, 
you go back to the Atlanta game, they scored only nine points. And in this game, they didn't score 34 from the offense necessarily. So I'm going to say that this one goes under the total. I agree. Uh, I think you make some great points about, you know, what took place last week and why they were, you know, in the position that they were. And I think that's important when you're handicapping games is to, you know, you, you and same thing with daily fantasy. You got to look beyond just what the box score says and how did that box score materialize? And if, you know, you've got a, a 10 yard field or you got defensive touchdowns, you have to bring that into account. Uh, and I actually do think from a DFS perspective, New Orleans team defense this week could be very, very interesting. I, I'm not sold on Kyle Allen. I think, uh, you know, you look at his numbers this year, he's only thrown, you never gone over two touchdowns, I don't think. Maybe the first start he did, but since then, and uh, I think he's a real liability. And, and what we see often in the NFL, too, is defenses start figuring out these quarterbacks. When they first come up and there's no film on them, they really don't know what they're getting into. But I think they're starting to learn a little bit more about Kyle Allen and, and it's showing. So, uh, well, well, and also one more point, Dan. You remember who his first start was against? I don't. It was against I, Arizona. Oh, well. So if you're going to light up someone, you light yeah. up Arizona, who's not very good defensively. All right, next game for us. And I think this one is going to be super entertaining. Two of the biggest names in the NFL. Dallas visits Oakland, uh, and, or not Oakland, sorry, New England. And uh, the Patriots, you know, picked up the win last week on the road. Uh, they are six-point favorites. The total here is sitting at 46, getting a little bit higher than maybe I would have expected it to come in at. Um, what do you think of New England last week? I mean, Philadelphia was a pretty banged-up squad there. I mean, offensively, uh, I mean, geez, they – Jordan Matthews, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I mean, these guys were playing a lot of snaps for that offense. I don't know how healthy Philadelphia is going to be this week. We'll get to them in a moment. But uh, New England, I don't think, caught Philly at their best. Uh, your initial thoughts here, Dallas going to New England. Well, I guess first with that game against Philadelphia, Dan, and I guess it shows that the defense showed up after Lamar Jackson lit them up uh, two weeks ago and that Ravens Sunday night win scoring the 37 points. So the defense definitely played better. The offense, I know they were talking about Brady with the incompletions and, and that's some of the highest incompletion uh, numbers he's had in his career, but the Patriots still found a way to win. And, and this is an Eagles team that has been so inconsistent all season long that they hadn't won more than two straight games going into that uh, New England game, and they had a two-game winning streak and ended up losing. So the Eagles still a tough team to figure out, and they right now are down one to Dallas, and you see what the Cowboys have done. That My problem with the Cowboys here, Dan, is – well, a couple things. Dallas is extremely consistent from this standpoint. They score more than 31 points. They haven't lost a game yet this year. They've scored 30 or less. They've lost every game they've played. And when you look at the teams that they've beaten, they've beaten Detroit without Matt Stafford. They beat the Giants. They beat they had a nice win over Philadelphia on the Sunday night. But also Washington was not good. The Giants the second time with Eli, or I mean the first time we're going backwards, but not a good team. So and the Dolphins who aren't good. So Dallas really has one win against a good opponent, that being the Eagles. And that's an Eagles team that we still can't figure out. So you're getting points with Dallas. First time, in fact, this is interesting. Dallas and New England, Dan, the last two teams in the NFL that have been favored in every game. So now that streak ends with Dallas on Sunday because they're an underdog to the Patriots. So now we're seeing the Cowboys in that role. And you think, oh, we're getting points with the Cowboys. But until Dallas can prove that they can 
beat good competition, and they lost that Sunday night game to Minnesota a few weeks ago, and they've lost to Green Bay, they've lost to New Orleans. And these are top teams in the NFC they're not beating, you know, and you beat the teams you're supposed to beat, but the teams that, you know, you may face in January, you're not beating, that's a problem. And when I look at New England, yeah, the schedule has not been very strong, except for Baltimore so far, it hasn't. But at the same time, I got to think after Tom Brady struggled against the Eagles this past week, that uh, Tom will, will get things together and the Patriots will beat the Cowboys. Yeah, I, I think I was wrong last week. I thought that game would have been a higher scoring. Uh, but with Dallas being pretty healthy here, New England um, fairly healthy themselves offensively, I think this has a little bit more of a chance to be a shootout. And I think from a DFS perspective, that's what we look for, especially in these super large field tournaments where you know trying to find that one game that sticks out gives you a huge edge because there's only – a limited number of fantasy points out there in a given week. This isn't college football where, you know, if you play college DFS, there, there's, you know, every single game has somebody going for 30 fantasy points. It's not always the, always the case with a limited number of games. And I think this game really pops a little bit for me um, because here's the thing. New England's defense is only allowed, allowed one rushing touchdown this year. Like, think about that for a second. Admittedly, the schedule is, is terrible, but – you would have thought that they would somebody would have fallen into the end zone a couple times against them. So we'll see what happens here against Zeke, who had another really bad game last week, at least from a yardage perspective. Found a couple of touchdowns, had a nice touchdown dance at the end, but uh, hasn't really. Um, they haven't really leaned as heavily on him as they had on on Dak Prescott this year. And Dak, he's coming in at the same salary as Tom Brady, and I think that uh, I am on Team Dak here even despite them being a uh, six-point underdog. I think he's going to have to chuck it. Uh, the, the question is, can we trust Amari Cooper? His numbers have been so bad on the road this season. He's going to probably face Gilmore, who I think is the top corner maybe in the entire league. So that's tough. Um, I'd probably look to him, a guy like Michael Gallup, who's only 5.9K on DraftKings, 10 targets in each of the last two games. Um, some people might go to to Cobb, who's been over 100 yards over the last two, but uh, I'm not chasing that. So uh, I like Dak Prescott. If you want to run it back, um, big price drop on Edelman, $700 cheaper this week on DraftKings than he was a week prior. And this is somebody who is pretty much locked in for 10-plus targets a game. The running game, Brady, not enough upside for me to consider them in DFS. Uh, so I like the over of the 46. Um, what about you? Thoughts on that? I mean, I could see that happening just because Dallas's defense has struggled of late, allowed 27 to Jeff Driscoll in the Lions and 28 to Kirk Cousins in the Vikings. We know Cousins has had his issues against teams with winning records, so that's a little bit of a concern for the Cowboys. But, again, we know this team has the capability of scoring Dallas, and there's, there's no disputing that with all the weapons they have offensively. But it's just about can they do it against – good competition and New England no matter who they played so far that they're still putting up tremendous numbers and yeah you look at it is Dak Prescott where does he rank as far as the quarterbacks that the Patriots have faced what would you say Dan second behind Lamar Jackson this oh, year yeah easily okay so it's the second best quarterback that the that the Patriots are facing on their schedule because we won't put Wentz in there but everyone else we know wasn't very good so they'll be tested, and uh, I mean, would it surprise me if this game was, you know, twenty-seven, twenty, something like that? It went over. No, it wouldn't surprise me. 
All right, let's keep it rolling here. Uh, next, we're going to head to Philadelphia, and and this is a line that I think definitely jumps off the page, where we've got an Eagles squad who has not looked particularly good this year, hosting Seattle, who's been very good this year, and they are two point favorite, a total um, forty nine, so nearing that fifty mark. Uh, this is one of those where I I, I really think the sharp side is going to be Philadelphia here. I think. You know, your your square betters are going to look at record, going to look at Seattle, going to look at Carson Wentz struggling, and they're going to say, oh, I'm getting two points here. But, you know, this is kind of like we saw with Cleveland a couple of weeks ago when they were suddenly two-point favorites against Buffalo, and lo and behold, they ended up covering that game. I think Philadelphia here is the sharp side. Do you agree? Yeah, I'm with you on it. I mean, look – what is the last thing you remember about Seattle? Is the comeback win over San Francisco on the Monday night with Russell Wilson, who actually threw a pick in overtime too. But And we know what Russell Wilson has done. He's the leader for the MVP this year, and, and you can't take that away from him. But also, just going through Seattle's schedule and seeing what they've done. They still were down 10-0 early to San Francisco. The Clowney touchdown really turned that game around. They were down 21-7 at Tampa Bay at home, came back and won that one. They were down 20-6 to at home, or on the road rather, at Cleveland. Lost, or, uh, Cleveland lost that one, so the Seahawks came back and won. The Rams game, Zerline makes a field goal at the end. They win it. So, you know, there's a lot. Even Cincinnati in week one gave them problems. I know that's going back yeah. a ways, but let's not make it out to be that Seattle – you know, so far this season that they're convincing eight and two because they're not by any stretch. And Philadelphia, like we just talked about, that they were right there with New England and they end up losing at the end. You know, the only thing that's concerning is, you know, is Philadelphia gonna gonna stay on this negative track now, considering they have not won a game off a singular loss. So they started the season beating Washington, lost two straight won two straight, then lost two straight. So the concern is after that one loss, they've lost again the next week. So is that trend going to continue or not? But I just think that the Seahawks, for as good as they've been record-wise, I'm not too sure about this one because Philadelphia, we know they have the capability to beat Green Bay, which they did on the road. We know they have the capability to hang with New England as long as they did. And they've had some stinkers on the road, but I think with the Seahawks traveling east, and I know we always talk about it, it's a little bit overplayed, but uh, the Seahawks, they've been living on the edge the whole season. This could be one off the bye where maybe they come out flat. Yeah, and you know Carson Wentz, he is priced way down in DFS, and rightfully so. He's put up really pedestrian numbers here, but look at this stretch of defenses that he's played. New England, Chicago, Buffalo, Dallas, Minnesota. Those are the last five games for him. And that's a that's a murderer's row right there to have to deal with. Um, and you know, obviously there's some injuries going around. We'll see if they get Alshon Jeffrey back this week. That would be a huge upgrade. Um, obviously last week Jordan Howard was out as well. They had to go to Miles Sanders and Boston Scott in the run game. So you know, if some of these guys start coming back healthy this week, again it's only Tuesday. We're not sure of the status of these guys. I think that's really going to help Wentz. And and he's a guy who's waiting to pop, and a guy who. I mean, geez, historically, I mean, last season put up huge fantasy numbers week in and week out. And uh, I think it's a get right spot for him. So I think he's one of my favorite targets here in a game with a highest total at 49, pretty high team total as well. Um, In terms of ancillary players or guys you can pair with him, we'll see what the deal is with Jeffrey, but all the pass catchers are pretty cheap outside of Zach Ertz. 
Uh, you've got uh, Jeffrey at 4-9. Aguilar played 88% of the snaps last week, um, and he is a 4.1K on DraftKings. So, you know, if he plays – if we're without Alshon Jeffrey again, Aguilar is a tremendous value and a much – much better matchup. And even Jordan Matthews played 85% of the snaps last week, but uh, I'm not going to be uh, rostering him. He's not very good. Now, Ertz, uh, he's a guy who's 6K. He's priced up, um, and and he's fine. But Dallas Goddard is the guy whose salary did not rise from last week, played 81% of the snaps, had that touchdown in the game last week, a lot of good looks in in that offense. And, again, another guy who I think gets the upgrade if we're without Alshon Jeffrey, but could be in play anyway. And then the last player, uh, Miles Sanders, he's still cheap this week. You know, price went up a little bit, but 5K. If Howard is out, 85% of the snaps last week. So he is definitely getting a lot of looks. Uh, we talked about Seattle's offense here. Um, you know, they've, they've been pretty good this year, but, you know, we're not real sure about Tyler Lockett, are we? I mean, we've got, um, you know, their coach saying he's going to play. But the dude spent like two days in the hospital after that last Monday night football game or Sunday night football game because the contusion was so bad. So I'm kind of leery on that. Now, as far I want to tell you a couple other things, Dan, and you made an excellent point about the five straight games Philadelphia played and the defenses. I'm going to take it a step further. They played at Green Bay that Thursday night game after the Packers were great the first three weeks defensively, and they scored 34 on that. So they faced another great defense, at least initially, with the Packers early on. And also, just this other number to throw out, Dan, the last three weeks, the Eagles gave up 17 to the Patriots, 14 to Chicago, 13 to Buffalo. We get Trubisky's not good, and Josh Allen's kind of eh, and maybe Brady's not what he was. Those are still pretty good numbers, considering they got lit up by Dallas and Minnesota the previous two weeks. So I'm just kind of curious to see if the Eagles can keep that up against Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really tough question here. And I think in DFS, it's something that I don't want to pay for because the prices on these guys are are pretty high. Um, I mean, you got Wilson at 6.8, where Wentz, I think, is like 5.4 or 5.6. So huge price discrepancy between those two. Tyler Lockett, again, we'll see on his status. It's a good matchup, you know, against that dilapidated secondary um, of the, the Eagles, but he's 7.6. I mean, that's a huge number to be paying for him. And, you know, the one guy who's got, you know, volume week in, week out is Chris Carson. But this run of the Eagles saw it again last week against New England. They're pretty legit. So I just think this is a, a kind of tough spot here for Seattle offensively. And, you know, if Lockett wouldn't play, um, maybe you could throw a dart on a guy like Josh Gordon. He's 4.2K on DraftKings this week. Only played 37% of snaps last week. But, again, coming off the bye – uh, a little bit more time to become accustomed with that playbook. And uh, it's probably a situation I need Lockett out to even give him consideration. But if he is, there's a lot of targets to go around. And, and DK Metcalf is not a great route runner. So I don't necessarily see him getting those, uh, getting peppered with a whole bunch of targets. The only other guy to consider, Hollister, uh, three touchdowns over the last two games. Uh, but he's not free. He's like 4.2K. So uh, that's a pretty big number. And he's, you know, coming off some. Uh, some games where he had some really good matchups. Uh, all right, let's move on. Tampa Bay and Atlanta, one of the higher spreads of the week, 52 here. And Atlanta, I mean, wow, the bye week uh, kind of rejuvenated this team a little bit, didn't they, K-Rod? 
I mean, seriously, you, you say to yourself, where was this all season? And we know about the weapons, Dan, and what the Falcons have offensively. And now they're putting it together defensively, allowed 12 points the last two weeks against New Orleans and Carolina. Obviously, it seems more impressive against New Orleans because of Breeze and all those guys where Carolina, you know, yeah, they have McCaffrey, but, you know, we talked about Kyle Allen earlier. But you know what? Falcons got to take what they can get because they were ready to fire Dan Quinn and he still could get fired at the end of the season. But now at least the Falcons are kind of putting it together in a stretch where they have five straight divisional games. They were the last team to play a divisional game when they faced New Orleans two weeks ago. So now they got this whole stretch against the division. They're not going to catch New Orleans. We know that. But maybe Atlanta can finish on a high note. When you look at Tampa Bay and – you know, that game against New Orleans, I had the under a 50 and a half. So I was not happy when Jameis airmailed that last interception and then was and then pulled up lame trying to tackle, uh, you know, trying to tackle him running down the sidelines. It, this Bucks team, you know, you would have thought there would have been something there, maybe with Bruce Arians coming in, but there's the same old Bucks. And I know they came back and beat Arizona two weeks ago, but this is a team that hasn't covered the spread in six weeks. That's why it makes me so leery to take them, even though you may think of Atlanta maybe in that quote-unquote letdown spot after winning two in a row on the road. They've been awful at home this year. They've won once at home, and that was against Philadelphia back in week two. They they needed a late Julio Jones touchdown to win that game. So, look, I know that Jameis Winston has seen some success against Atlanta in his career, maybe early on in his career, but the Falcons have won five straight against the Buccaneers, I mean, I'm staying away from this one. It, it's just a hard argument to take Tampa Bay here. Yeah, just two teams going in opposite directions. I mean, Atlanta's feeling good about themselves after two really good wins and uh, road wins. And then you've got Tampa, like you say, which really looks like a sinking ship. Jameis, uh, I, I'm a little bit worried about his health coming into this week. I mean, he was hobbling along, you know, at the end of that game anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I get it. I mean, in these situations, too, you don't have to have plays on every single game. Let's keep that in mind when you're, when you're betting these things. If you don't feel good about it, don't go there. But, you know, there's definitely a lot to be said for, you know, the offenses in this matchup, especially being viable from a DFS perspective. Matt Ryan, he's priced up this week, one of the more expensive QBs. But nearly every quarterback has eaten against this Bucks defense. I mean, Breeze last week was doing it until they got up 20, and then they're like, okay, we're just going to run the ball a little bit and, uh, and and slowed down in that second half. But still was a respectable three-touchdown performance for him last week. It's hard for me, though, to not envision Atlanta and Matt Ryan putting up 300 and like four touchdowns this week. They don't have a running game. I mean, Brian Hill, Quadre Allison, these guys are terrible. It's going to be a game where he peppers uh, Julio Jones, he peppers um, Ridley, with passes all game long, and I think that's how Atlanta is going to move. And I think this is such a stackable game in DFS because we've seen it all year long. You know, Tampa, they fall behind, then they have no choice but to pass because, well, their running game stinks anyway with Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber and Dare Agumbo-Wale. So uh, I think this is, a, this is a fun game to stack up. It's going to be tough to do because You've got some expensive pieces, and of course, you've got the Godwin, Evans, who's it going to be this week type of thing. But I think Ryan, with a pass catcher, run it back with a wide receiver, too, and the other side from Tampa looks pretty good. One thing I found interesting last week with Tampa, 
was you know two weeks ago to give it was against Arizona and they are the worst defensively against the tight end position but he had OJ Howard who actually looked like the OJ Howard we saw uh, a season ago a guy coming into the season who was supposedly going to have a big year they come back this seat this next week against uh New Orleans and it was Cameron Bray with like double digit targets and not even that Bray played 75 percent of the snaps to Howard's 25 and I just don't get it because even that touched or that interception that took place early on in that game was a total fluke job um, with kind of the way that it, it, it took place. So I don't know what they're doing. That coaching staff is an absolute mess. I mean, I can't believe Arians came back to coach Jameis and this is what it's turned into. Bad stuff. Yeah, it, it's an embarrassment. And, uh, you know, you, you keep thinking that Jameis Winston maybe will turn it around. And look, I mean, those two guys from that draft a few years ago, you see Marcus Mariota getting benched for Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. And Jameis, I mean, I, I don't know when they're going to bench him. And, and like you mentioned, on that interception, he was hobbling. He, he couldn't he couldn't tackle him. He couldn't do anything. So, you know, when they're going to pull the plug on Jameis. But you know, you look back at Atlanta for a second, Dan, and I know they haven't been good at home. They've lost three straight at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But the last two home games, they Seattle, they played the Rams. Like, I mean, those are quality teams. And I understand the Rams have taken a bit of a step back this year since last year, but the Rams are still the NFC champions, still a pretty good team in the NFC. So, I mean, they, they lost that game by 27 points. But, uh, you know, now you're playing a Tampa Bay team that – when I'm looking back at what they've done over uh, since that Rams game, and they dropped 55, the only game I can remember where they've had a, a substantial lead for a while was that Seattle game, up 21 to seven, and then they blew it. But even the Arizona game was kind of back and forth. That they, Tampa Bay is just falling behind in all these games, and like you said, Jameis is getting numbers just because they're falling behind. And, and I, I think I saw a stat. They ran the ball eight times on Sunday against New Orleans, and two of those were late in the game. I mean, it, the Buccaneers, they, they got to find some kind of balance. I know they have no running game. It's, just, it's a complete disaster right now. I mean, that's the problem with them, too, is even if they get a lead, there's no way for them to really grind clock with, <laughs> with a running game because they don't have anything. You know, I mean – Spent a first-round pick on Ronald Jones, and, you know, even last week, Jones is a guy who didn't play a ton of snaps. Uh, Agumbawale was in for, like, 40% over Jones, who I think was in the 30s. So they're not even remotely trying to to give that guy a shot. So it, it, it's a disaster, but these disasters are fun for DFS because, again, I think both defenses somewhat suspect, and when that's the case, you can have fireworks back and forth indoors. A lot of things to like in this game. Uh, all right, last game for us today. We're going to kind of go outside the main slate in DFS, and I'll get into some uh, single-game strategy for you, and that's Green Bay and San Francisco. I think this is the uh, the game of the week, and that's why they flexed it to Sunday night. San Francisco minus three here against the Packers at home. Give me initial thoughts. You know, uh, I guess we'll we'll talk first uh, really quick about that situation against Arizona last week. Yes. <laughs> did did it did it did it screw you? Did did you no. have Okay. I passed on that game, but this is what I think and and people want to go here Dan. They always like to say, "Oh, the referees are in it, it's fixed and all that." No, yeah. I think that they just don't didn't care about looking at it. I think that's what it yeah. comes down to. And it meant nothing. Yeah, and we've seen situations even in college basketball last year where somebody hits a shot at the buzzer and it doesn't matter, but then they say, well, the shot maybe came after the buzzer, but the referees just leave. They don't care. So this is not about the referees 
saying, oh, well, I had San Francisco. Like, no, no, no. They're just saying, okay, does it affect the outcome of the game? No. Okay, we're leaving. And it just seemed like I mean, a completely ridiculous play at the end. Wouldn't it be more suspect if they did go back and review it? I mean, in full honesty, like like you say, it genuinely doesn't matter in the outcome, and that's really all the officials kind of care about at that point in the game. It is, and uh, you'd have to probably slow the whole thing down and see who was down. And I hate these laterals at the end when you're yeah. down by. You know, I just think they're. It's so one in a million that normal, and we've seen this the last few years. In fact. We've seen guy. We've seen the team that's winning pick up the ball and run it in, and it always affects the point spread instead of just falling on the ball because they want to be the hero. And that's where it, I wish the officials. But you can't would, blame it. Like it. the fatty never gets a touchdown. Like you get a chance to score a touchdown and do a dance. Like I know you got to take it. So, but it, I have seen it where it's affected the point spread. And it's like, oh, oh yeah. my god! Oh, just don't lateral the ball. Just don't find a better way to do it. But anyway. With this matchup with Green Bay and San Francisco, I mean, obviously, this is going to be the showcase game, and they've gone back over the years with some of you know the great matchups they've had, going back to Candlestick Park and the T.O. touchdown against the Packers. My thing with San Francisco here, Dan, is you know looking back at them, the big issue is the defense taking a bit of a step back after a tremendous start, and twice in these last three weeks they faced Arizona and granted Kyler Murray had an 89 yard touchdown pass a few weeks ago in that Thursday night game to get Arizona back in that game they covered and maybe that's a little misleading what Kyler Murray's stat line was but then against Seattle and I understand that the Seahawks got a defensive touchdown from Clowney early on but these numbers just jumping right up 25 27 26 the last three games for San Francisco defensively and even with Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, are we see is he getting a little bit exposed here? And that's kind of what the big question is. Now, as far as Green Bay goes, you have the Packers coming off the bye now after they beat Carolina two weeks ago in that snowstorm at Lambeau Field. And Green Bay, I'm sure they did not forget about the last time they went to California a few weeks ago where they just got throttled by the Chargers, scoring 11 points. And they were a four-point favorite in that game. Now you're an underdog where Green Bay – you know, they really could be worth a good look here because when you look at what the Packers have done at times, they've won at Kansas City. Granted, it was without Mahomes, but it's still a tough environment. They've won at Dallas, and they dominated Dallas. The final score was very misleading, and they went to Chicago and beat the Bears earlier this year. San Francisco, you know, yeah, they, I think they bulked up a bit on a week schedule, but uh, the Packers here with Aaron Rodgers going back to the Bay Area, I think they could be worth a look. I'm with you. I actually think they're they're interesting outright. You know, getting the three is is gravy here. Um, the bye week certainly doesn't hurt. You know, especially I don't think the bye week hurts if you if you're if you're going to be heading out west here for a long travel uh, spot for Green Bay. And more than anything, too, is I think their pass catchers are going to get a little bit more healthy off the bye. I mean, a guy like Devonte Adams, who's been one of the best receivers in the league, has not been really healthy over the last three, four weeks, you know, he played the last couple, but you know, that turf toe injury is, is brutal. And it, it, it you know, the, the longer you have away from it, uh, the better off you're going to be. And he has not really had a huge impact this season yet. They've been really good because a guy by the name of, um, of Jones, uh, the, the running back has been, um, been incredible. Aaron Jones is really taking it up a notch and they actually have depth at that position as well as, 
um, even the backup over there has done a real respectable job. So, uh, and Williams. So I, I really like what Green Bay is bringing to the table. I think it's a huge advantage of them coming off the bye week. And we don't even know what San Francisco's status is going to be on a guy like like Kittle. You know, this is one of their big playmakers. Ross Dwelly has scored a couple of touchdowns in his absence, but really good matchup for him against Arizona to do that. I mean, that team is just dreadful against the tight end position. So uh, I'm not necessarily buying it. Their run game was completely absent last game without Matt Breida. Um, so I think this is a great spot for Green Bay. And, uh, you know, Debo, Debo Samuel finished with a really good game. I think he's progressing into uh, a solid wide receiver. But, you know, Manuel Sanders, another guy, banged up last week, didn't show off very well, and has to come right back here, you know, a week later against a, a Packers squad. So everything for me is is on the Green Bay side. One thing from a showdown perspective, again, this isn't on the main slate, so, you know, it's not really pertinent to, you know, our, our typical weekly builds when we're trying to win a million dollars or anything like that. But, uh, you know, you've got defenses, you've got kickers. You know, those are guys that uh, you don't typically are using because you can't especially kickers. They're not even available. But in in games that you think are going to be more defensive-oriented, those are guys that you can use. And I don't mind using maybe a guy on San Francisco side. I could see them having trouble scoring touchdowns here against Green Bay. So it's not sexy to use a kicker. I get it. You know, we all hate the kicker. But uh, in the showdown format, it's definitely something to consider. And if you're playing any of those 50-50 type cash games, those are some of the surest points you can have for guys at low salary. So don't be able, don't uh, worry about firing them up. Uh, we got a total of 46 and a half. The number feels about right from, from my perspective. What do you think? Yeah, it'll probably be close to that. And uh, like I mentioned with San Francisco and the amount of points they've allowed recently, you know, you kind of wonder what Aaron Rodgers could do against this defense. And that if we're going to see, you know, 27, 24 game, something like that. And, uh, you know, San Francisco is still very capable of putting up good numbers. And Green Bay, after they had the hot start defensively, it's been kind of up and down, but it was a nice uh, nice bounce back against Carolina after the Charger game. They allowed just the 16 points to the Panthers. But the only thing I'm afraid of with the Packers is they've been allowing, you know, 22, 24 points uh, several times recently. So we could see both these teams maybe in the mid-20s or so and uh, come close to going over the total. Yeah, uh, I don't know if there's great value in it yet, but uh, we'll, you know, I think some of it's going to depend on, on maybe the injury status if, of a guy like Kittle to see if he comes back and plays. Um, all right, it's lines and lineups. It's our early look at DFS and sports betting from Vegas Insider and rotogrinders.com. If you haven't checked out VI, make sure you run on over there. Again, uh, the guaranteed pick, that's one thing that uh, you guys offer in the space, which I think is pretty unique where uh explain it like if the pick doesn't win then people don't pay like that's about as good as you can get right correct if there is a guaranteed selection put up by any handicapper in any sport that if uh the game wins then you pay for it if the game loses it's free so basically it's uh almost uh it's an opportunity for you to try the handicapper out and see what you get because if you win then you pay and if you don't or if you don't win, then yeah, it, it stinks. You lost your bet, but uh, at least you don't have to pay for it. So that's uh, that's a very good thing. And those guarantees go all across every single sport. Are you grinding basket college basketball yet? Yes, I am. Yes, I look at it, Dan. That you, 
I hate to say it because you can't really take off nights. And yeah, there's a lot of teams to track. It's 360 teams or whatever it is to track. But uh, the good news is they're not all playing every night. So you can kind of go step by step. One of my keys for college basketball really quickly is A, not looking at the showcase game, is looking for other games under the radar. And B, just trying to see where these teams, like any other sport, when if they're going to you know, have a couple blowouts in a row. Is this going to be the time that they're going to maybe overlook an opponent? And that's something that you got to look for, I think, in these non-conference because you have a lot of teams playing no names and try to find uh, the right spot to take them or go against them. Absolutely. Rotogrinders.com, again, like I mentioned in the opening of the show, if you want to try our premium for free, check out our site right on the front page and add for Monkey Knife Fight, kind of a prop-based fantasy game and super draft. And uh, if you make a deposit on either of those two sites going through that link, you will get access for three months to all of our premium content, which includes NBA, uh, obviously NFL, NHL, uh, PGA, which is still a lot of fun uh, from a DFS perspective, and all the tools that go with those sports. So check it out if you haven't done so already, rotogrinders.com. Thanks for Devin for producing. Hopefully Holden is back with us. Next week for Kevin, I am Dan. Good luck in your DFS games and all your sports bets this week, and we'll talk to you next week here on Lines and Lineup. See you, everybody.